User Grindstaff Publishing Audio Files Room to Rome Chapter 1 To Europe The alarm went off at 4.30 in the morning on September 9, 2015. The day had finally arrived. I was off to Europe. Climbing out of the king-size bed at my grandmother's house, I rushed around waking everyone and looking through the luggage I had piled on the kitchen table the night before. Camera, traveler's insurance cards, gigantic backpack, sunglasses, passport... The items were read off in my mind as I ran quickly through the mental checklist I had perfected over the week of packing. I had never left the country before, so the idea of light travel had never crossed my mind. Days earlier, my mom and I had gone to an outdoor retailer and bought all kinds of travel gear for a stay in the rugged terrain of India or some other far-flung place I would not be going. The salesman, a stereotype of the want-to-be-rugged American adventurer, was quite good at his job and it was all but handing things to my anxious mother while I was too excited to intervene. In the end, it helped quell our anxieties, but did nothing to help lessen the weight of my backpack, which had ballooned to ridiculous proportions. Time clicked by on the numerous clocks hanging from the walls as my mother, sister, and grandmother all groggily helped gather my things into the car, gulp down a steaming coffee, and do a final sweep of the house. We were off to the Pasco-Washington train station in the cold darkness of early fall. The ride was quiet, with anticipatory silence, everyone lost in their own thoughts of what was to come in the three months I was to be gone. My mind raced with the voyage I was undertaking, the months of talking finally coming to a head. It was officially a time to put my shoulder to the wall of expectation and thrust myself headlong into whatever was to come. We arrived at the train depot early and waited on a hard, uncomfortable wooden bench. These three women meant the world to me, and I was pleased they were there amidst all the lonely souls which inhabit a train station at that time of morning. With the approach of my train, we all said goodbye for now and my mother started to cry. The sight of her tears helped bolster my idea of what I was undertaking and made me smile with the love she admitted. Hoisting the giant backpack to my fresh shoulders, I walked along the corridor toward the steaming train, not looking back but only looking forward. From Pasco, the train steamed along the Columbia River in the early morning darkness which gave way to a brilliant sunrise and an astounding view of Mount Hood in the distance. We had a layover in Portland and I struck up a conversation with an older man about the adventure I had just started and he told me about a similar backpacking expedition he undertook in the 70s. The man and I talked for the better part of an hour about the sights he had seen, the women he had had, and the life he had led since that trip. A life made better by finding a part of himself in Europe and the beauty of living a life without regret. We both boarded the next train bound for Seattle and continued our conversation until it naturally died out and I looked out the window at the beautiful Pacific Northwest landscape, the same landscape I had always lived amongst. Passing by and a kind of sadness overtook me as I contemplated the idea of leaving my home. Once in Seattle, I found my way to the airport, made it through security, and had a few hours to spare. I spent my time sitting in a wooden rocking chair, watching the planes take off and taking notes on my trip thus far for a reason I had yet to figure out. Night had fallen on the runway and I'd made it to my terminal. We boarded, and we soon took off into the night on my first red-eye flight. It was awkward sleeping in a plane seat, and I only managed to get maybe an hour of rest before we touched down at JFK Airport. With eyes burning, I navigated my way out of my airline's terminal and went in search of the next flight, a flight that was many hours to take off. 
I spent the morning walking everywhere I could without leaving the security checkpoints and with a couple of hours before takeoff, I decided to check into my flight. I went to the check-in and the lady asked me how my day was going. I said, amazing, I'm going to Iceland today. Which she replied, not today you're not. My stare must have screamed shock since she explained her reasoning behind her sassy comment. Apparently most foreign countries, especially Europe, won't allow travelers into their borders without a return ticket or a ticket out of their country. In my wandering hippie ways, I thought it would be totally fine to book a one-way ticket in, then book a return flight when the time was right. It turns out I was wrong. The lady behind the counter informed me of the process. If America lets a traveler go to their destination without a return ticket, the traveler will be stopped at customs in the foreign country, sent back to their country of origin, then the airline which sent said traveler gets a hefty fine. With every one of my sweat glands on fire, she gave me two options before I could pass. The first was to book a ticket to Finland, our next country after Iceland, then cancel it later, or decide on a return ticket to America, date and all, on the spot. I chose the latter, which in retrospect was a good decision, so I had a finite amount of time in Europe. After buying the tickets in the airline ticket office, I was back to the sassy lady's desk with a confirmation firmly in my hand. Security was a breeze and I changed out of my pajama pants and into real clothes. After a few hours dealing with currency exchange and credit card activation issues, I was in line at the gate to go to Iceland. The plane was delayed by half an hour, but once all systems were go, my heart began to race and the all-too-familiar sweat glands began to pour. I was past the point of no return. The plane departed JFK and we flew into the afternoon sky, officially starting the fantastic journey I had been anticipating for months. So many emotions washed over my stress-ridden brain. As the ground grew small beneath us and the clouds engulfed us like we were nothing, it was to be a direct flight to Iceland, and I had a window seat, and despite all the worrying and stress, the adventure had taken off right as scheduled. With water blue beneath me, I turned my focus to the screen in the seat rest in front of me and spent the next several hours switching between watching a movie and looking at a real-time map of our progress across the world. It made me think back to months earlier when I had placed a giant map of the world on the wall of my small apartment and began tracing a proposed route across Europe. I had bought the map shortly after Reed and I had bought our tickets to Iceland, so I knew where the start of the journey would begin. After I drew that initial line from New York to Iceland, my pen hesitated. I had no idea where I would be going next, and it was thrilling. From there, I would mark shaky lines this way and that, only to erase them back to the original line in Iceland. The pen always found its way back to the beginning. Anything further would take away from the spontaneity, the heart of all the best stories I had heard for months before. After a week of throwing curious glances at the map and standing on my couch to get as close as possible so I would be literally face to face with the world, I decided I would make it up as I went. Thoughts of those times in the apartment seemed like years ago, as a plane sped across the ocean, inching ever closer to Scandinavia. I watched as the ocean turned into Greenland, then back into ocean, then soon day turned into night. People around me started snoring and the cabin lights dimmed. I thought of sleeping, but every time I closed my eyes, thoughts of what I was hoping to come in the next three months would flash across my mind and the nervous excitement would jolt me awake. As I sat rubbing my eyes after about a turbulence woke me, a young girl, I think American, was looking out my window from across the aisle and asked what those strange lights outside the plane were. She crossed over into the empty seat next to me and we both smiled broad as a green light stretched ethereal across the black backdrop of the sky. It was Aurora Borealis, and she was every bit as beautiful as people say. The young woman and I sat silent for many minutes as the northern light shimmered until we finally gained our composure and she went back to her original seat. I watched those lights for what seemed like an eternity. 
I had spoken with people who had been to Iceland for many days without seeing the Northern Lights, and here I was seeing them before even landing in Scandinavia. Plus, with the crystal clear night, the lights took on such a polished finish as the greens danced across the night sky. Within an hour, we were landing at the Reykjavik airport. It was almost midnight and I had no cell phone reception and absolutely no idea what was going to happen next. The girl across the aisle said she was from New York, and it was her first time out of the country, so we decided to team up in order to gather our bearings and escape the shell shock of our situation. The airport had few people lingering within, and after we grabbed our luggage, both of us sporting gigantic backpacks, we found our way outside. It turned out the girl's name was Sarah, and she was in her mid-twenties with mousy brown hair and a cute face. She had tired of the monotony of adult life back in New York, so she had decided to go on an adventure, a solo trip to Iceland for a week. In rapid succession, she exclaimed she had just gotten over a rough breakup, bought a ticket to Iceland, was going to rent a vehicle, drive the golden circle around the country, sleeping in the back of an ATV, then fly back to New York ready to tackle whatever came next in her life. And I stood in awe. Here we were, two people from entirely different backgrounds with similar stories meeting each other randomly at the precipice of our grand adventures. I left the girl at a car rental hut on the airport's curb with her wide eyes showing fear and excitement and trepidation all in equal measure. Nearby, I found a shuttle hut, paid for a ticket in Icelandic currency, and hopped on a bus in the shining parking lot. As I boarded, my phone connected to a phantom Wi-Fi and a series of texts came in from Reed instructing me what to do once I arrived at the airport. Soon the bus was flooded with teenagers from a local high school chattering in Icelandic and looking at me with intense scrutiny. I was the only one on that bus not from Scandinavia and everyone was acutely aware of it. The bus drove the hour or so from the airport into Reykjavik with the night sky gleaming from the billions of stars above us. I thought of my journey over the course of the past couple of days, starting on a train in small town Washington and now I was crossing lava plains in Iceland. It is truly amazing what a person can do with a bit of blind ambition. Around 2am, my shuttle dropped me off at a hostel with lights on and a sleepy young girl reading a book at the front desk. In a daze from the journey I had just undertaken, exhausted from hours of restlessness and a general lack of knowing what I was doing, I bumbled through the check-in process made much simpler by rebooking my bed when he arrived the day before. Relieved, I found a set of lockers meant for luggage, but soon realized my gigantic hiking backpack was twice the size of a single locker and had no chance of fitting it inside. Wanting nothing but to sleep, I trudged up the stairs of the hostel with heavy backpack in tow, found my room, and gently opened the door to a cacophony of snoring and the tremendous stench of wet feet hitting my nose with full force. Through the darkness, I found an empty bunk, a top bed, and quickly proceeded to drop my backpack onto the metal heater with an impossibly loud clang. A snarl of frustrated snores and coughs and a was that raged from out of the darkness as I blearily climbed to the top bunk hauling my monstrosity of a pack with one last rush of pissed off exhaustion. In the darkness of the room I made a kind of nest and looked at my phone. It was 2.30 in the morning and I was in Reykjavik, Iceland. Simultaneously my brain raced with thoughts of where I was and how I had gotten there and the aching drowsiness of the lack of sleep I had forced upon myself on the voyage from west coast America. Somewhere in that sleeping darkness was my friend Reed, and just outside those thin hostile walls were myriad adventures waiting to be had. After months of talking, we were standing at the brink of whatever Iceland would bring. I closed my eyes that night in Iceland with a smile on my face and a glow in my soul. Like that girl I had met on the plane, I too was living on an adventure with no telling where it would lead. End of chapter.